0: I'm Victoria Renee, and this is Queer Film Club. Joining me today is my good friend, my favorite pansexual Jason, and horror flick connoisseur, Tony. Tony, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You are very welcome. I've been excited about this for, like, weeks now, so I, uh, I'm ready.
0: Yes, I have too. I personally don't know anyone who knows more about horror films than you do
1: it's it's called it's called childhood trauma um
0: <laughs> oh no <laughs> um
1: a long lasting childhood trauma
0: oh well i guess um our listeners will benefit from your childhood trauma <laughs> so I, thank I, I w- you <laughs> i wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> All right. Well, I also want to thank you for helping me expand my queer slasher movie knowledge. I didn't realize it was lacking up until a few weeks ago. So thank you for that.
1: You're, you're, you're welcome. But, like, sadly, <laughs> the, the horror community is also lacking on, uh, on uh, queer basically everything. So, you know. right.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, today, um, we're going to go back in time to the 1980s. And first, we're going to talk about The Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, which has been dubbed as the gayest horror flick of all time. It was written by David Chaskin and directed by Jack Shoulder. I just watched this for the first time this week, and it is... Very gay, indeed. When is the first time you saw this movie? <laughs> the first time I saw
1: Nightmare on Elm Street 2 um, is when Netflix had a much larger larger catalog. Everything in there, there were so many more choices. And I, I remember watching it at like 3 in the morning um, because I was bored and had nothing to do. And <laughs> the thing that really caught my eye on that was the fact that it wasn't directed by Wes Craven. So this is the fir- first, obviously, seeing how it's the second um, Nightmare on Elm Street that has nothing to do with Wes Craven, who originally came up with the idea.
0: Right. Now, did he direct all of the other sequels? I, I
1: can't remember. He might not have came back until um, the final Friday. Um, he might not have He <laughs> might not have actually came back until um, uh, A New Nightmare, um, which was directed by him. He's in the film. I, I'm not sure if he touched on any of the
0: other movies at all. Okay. Sure. So when you uh, first watched it, like, w- was it were you aware of the homoerotic aspects or was it like a completely, you know, new thing? Like, were you did you know anything about the film ahead of time?
1: Not not really. It was it was I went into it completely blind. Um, the thing about it, too, is like, this is still the point in my life where I was telling myself I was straight. So, like, Mm -hmm. it was, like, I I really didn't pay attention. And then, actually, after I saw it for the second time, I was, like, oh, my God, this is a a big old metaphor for coming out in the world, coming out to people. Um, And it wasn't until about probably the third time I watched it where I was finally, like, okay, this is gay shit. You know, like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I am, so upon watching it this last week, I distinctly remembered the school bus scene, like both at the beginning and the end. So I definitely saw it before. I'm guessing probably like in junior high, uh, you know, maybe like 12, 13 years old, my friends and I would always rent horror films. Um, But I definitely didn't remember it. And even if I did, I'm sure the... uh... (laughs) the gay subtext, the gay themes would have been something that went over my head. Junior high, I still thought I was straight. Right. Also, so, you know, up, upon watching it as an adult, oh, it is it's fucking right. gay. I mean, well, you
1: you watch the scene with him dancing in his room which yes. which, which does not need to be a part of that movie whatsoever, <laughs> and it just it just
0: screams gay. It just screams it. Right. Like, that, that was such a weird scene, I thought. Yes. Well, in so many ways. But he's... The main character, Jesse, is about to leave, presumably to go to his girlfriend's place. And then his dad, who's, like, the most annoying character in the movie, yeah. tells him he has to, like, unpack first and clean his room. So he starts doing that. And, yeah, it just... It, <laughs> Like, it wasn't necessary at all to have that little dance scene. But when he starts, like, bumping his butt up against the drawer. Right, right, right. (laughs) It was, I mean, it was a laugh out loud moment for me because it was so ridiculous. But it was also so clearly,
1: clearly gay. Well, well, the writer of the movie is extremely gay. Like, uh, he is a gay man when interviewed about it that's what he said he he was like you know i wanted the gayness to be subtext but it was definitely in there, yeah. you know and just a little fact checking that i'm doing on myself right now um wes craven did direct quite a few of the nightmare on elm street movies but he did not direct a second
0: yeah and the second one um what i read they kind of rushed to release it like it was released only a year or less than a year after after the original
1: well the thing is too is you gotta think of how much of a cash cow freddy krueger is because if you look at it every 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 slasher before that and i wouldn't even necessarily call them slasher movies every slasher before that was you know jason Voorhees and freddy or not freddy krueger and michael myers who were the big tall quiet silent guys who couldn't die. And this guy was more cerebral. He, he went into your dreams. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he, he wasn't a guy you necessarily fight on your home turf. So you, he, he was such a, a cash grab because, you know, he, he was so different than what was out at the time.
0: Right. Right. Which something, that's something that I hadn't thought about. Before, like, obviously, everyone knows, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, super popular, Freddy, blah blah blah. But it was different than the other slasher films of the time, and also in the original one, there was that. I mean, wasn't there kind of like that mystery aspect? Right. Yeah. Like, like it was revealed that he he was a real person that the parents in the neighborhood they took it upon themselves to murder him because he was a child killer. Right.
1: Um, and it, I mean, even the, the the thing, even going with the child killer is, it is heavily implied too that. He's a pedophile. Like it's, it's never, right. it's never said until the remake that he was, but it's heavily implied. That's part of the reason why they killed him as well. Um, sure. Just a side note. Um, I was right in the first place. Um, I double checked Wes Craven's IMDb, and it is only, it is only the first one and um, a new nightmare. Google lied to me. So,
0: <laughs> of course, Google. I know, lied. but I was right. So, ha! so what do you think is the queerest thing about this movie? Whether it's like a scene or a theme or an image, I would, I would. I would definitely just
1: put it as the theme of, you know, a gay man coming of age and having that person inside of them that they wanted to get out, but they just didn't really know how. Um, I would say that's probably the queerest thing about it for me is the fact that he's, he's trying to release what's inside of him that he cannot release because he has social pressures and stuff like that. And I get, I get there's a difference between Freddy Krueger and being gay, but, it's heavily implied that he also is gay. So, I mean, <laughs> that would probably be my my feeling towards it.
0: I think that part is really where the subtext yeah. comes in because um, a lot of the other imagery, it's, I mean, even Mark Patton said, it's not subtext. It's, it's yeah. obvious. Um, you know, he goes to a... Gay SM right. club. His coach or gym teacher or whatever gets um, tied up and spanked. All oh, right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's,
1: it's been a while since I've seen it, but now you, now I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're right.
0: Yeah, I mean the first the first time we see Jesse, he is in his underwear, and he's sweaty. Right. And then you know maybe five minutes in he gets pantsed at uh, baseball practice or whatever, and you see his bare ass, and he gets wrestled to the ground with by his friend. Right. I mean, it's, it's yeah, not so. Uh... <laughs> they're like they're... <laughs> they're like
1: we're gonna make this movie <laughs> yes. even too gay for the eighties, like
0: right. <laughs>
1: I, I've actually heard it, heard of it referred to the Top Gun of horror. Um, yeah, oh. because Top Gun also has a lot of themes like that in it, um, where it you you just look at it and you're like, wow, this this guy's a homosexual, you know. So I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I've I've heard of it referred to as the Top Gun of horror. So
0: okay, I've never seen Top Gun, but now it's, I feel like it's it's pretty shit,
1: much maybe. the same idea.
0: <laughs> Like
1: like sweaty dudes. <laughs> dude stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that the screenwriter uh, David Chaskin yeah. is gay. And as you know, for years he denied that the film was supposed to be queer. He denied that there was this subtext or that it was right. intentional. In fact... From my understanding, he even went so far as to blame Mark Patton, the actor, for uh, I don't know, for for making it gay because he was because he was closeted. What do you think about that? Like, is that something that's forgivable, Uh or is that just really kind of shitty? Because it, I mean, in a way, it kind of ruined mark Patton's career well i mean like part of me wants
1: to say you know everybody has their has their own journey in queerness um and you know it's it's really pretty shitty of him to put all the blame on a young actor especially an actor who probably hasn't done much before this um but Mm -hmm. you know one side of me goes you know i haven't told everybody i'm gay And I kind of get that feeling. But at the same time, like it's it I'm I'm not sure how I directly feel about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think you're right that like everyone's journey is different. I I guess I'm more I can understand why he would deny the the gay themes, but To say that, you know, the lead actor was, like, kind of at fault. I don't know. I guess that seems kind of shitty. But apparently... uh, So, I haven't seen it. But I know there are two documentaries.
1: There's Um, one that's, like, eight
0: hours long.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, well, it's
0: probably more than two, I guess. (laughs) So, I know there's one. So, it's uh, from... 2010, Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. It is available to rent on Amazon, but I believe that uh, Mark Patton confronts David Chaskin about that in the well, documentary. Well, if you
1: are going to watch that, get snacks. I'm pretty sure like it's four and a half hours to six hours long. Um, it, oh, it goes through all damn. of the films, so you don't have to just wa- You could just watch that one, but... Um...
0: Yeah. Well, in that case, I think the, f- the one I will watch for sure is um, from 2019 yeah. called Scream Queen My Nightmare yeah. in Elm Street. And that focuses on, on what we're talking about today, which, by the way, that one's only 99 cents nice. to rent on Amazon. <laughs> the next queer camp cult classic we're going to talk about. sleepaway camp. Sleepaway camp is a 1983 slasher written and directed by Robert Hiltzik. Typical of its genre, it takes place at a summer camp with an unknown killer on the loose. It's most famous for the shocking twist at the end. We find out that the quiet and mild-mannered lead girl is actually a boy and also the killer. Holy shit, Tony. <laughs> I liked this movie way more than I thought I would. Yeah,
1: it is It is definitely one of those films where you watch it and like it, it's always weirded me out because there's like multiple scenes in it that give me like really hardcore Jaws vibes. Like at the, at the, at the beginning of the movie when, when, they're, when they're on the schooner and like talking, I'm like, a shark's gonna pop up! I know it! And like... And then when they're out, when they're out, I'm like, oh, there's going to be a shark. I'm like, none of this makes sense. (laughs) But like, I mean, I love the movie. It's one of those movies where I've shown it to other people and they have completely not liked it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pretty icky things in it. (laughs) Really icky implications. Um, But
0: yes, in
1: general, I really do enjoy the film.
0: The people that you have shown it to who didn't like it, do you know why? Like, was there anything in particular that well, rubbed think, them the I wrong Well, I think way? really
1: what throws people off at the end is the fact that, you know, it's implied that that's, like, however old Angela's supposed to be, that's underage penis. And I think that really freaks people out. Um, I, I think, I think yeah. them basically saying, hey, look at this child's naked body um kind of freaks people out even though the guy was in his 20s when he he you know filmed the part the the just the idea that it could be a child does kind of you know throw people off
0: oh yeah definitely that's fucked up and i mean even as you mentioned i don't know how relevant this is but like you see the penis but it doesn't look like a young like even it's a, even though it's supposed to be it doesn't look like a young boy's well it's, penis. it's
1: it's it's got a full bush it's like you know it's it, it doesn't yeah it doesn't look like my <laughs> right. young boy's penis looks and i'm basing this off of how i'm basing this off of my life i'm not saying i've seen young boy's penises um but
0: oh same i'm just same saying here. it
1: does not seem very realistic Right. right.
0: It's not what you would expect. And even if you're not, not,
1: if we're not just focusing on that and we're focusing on the entire body, that is not Angela's body. You know, that is not in any way Angela's no. body. Like,
0: you know. No. I mean, there were, for me, there were so many laugh out loud moments in this film because it was so campy, but I think the the biggest was at the end. When she has that grotesque horrific look on her face and then you see the full frontal nudity I mean it was just absurd I thought I wouldn't like the film as much as I did because I already right. knew what the big reveal was and I thought alright here we go another trans person being right. the villain right but after I saw it and even as I was watching it I didn't, I didn't think view it that way at all I saw Angela right. as more of a victim and i mean the victimization aspect is also problematic because it's also right. a trope we see with queer that, characters but the you know oh, sorry, that they were on.
1: made that way you know
0: right exactly that you know being trans is inherently linked to being a villain or a victim or some tragic um, absurd flaw but I think and, and I'm just talking right. we're just talking about the first one, not not the three sequels, but she's more than a victim in my perspective. It's also a revenge story. The first person she attacks is the nasty pedophile right. cook it, who you know literally tried to sexually. The, assault the thing
1: her. about that is too, is like earlier when we were talking about Freddie and we were talking about him being a pedophile—that's implied. Where in this movie, it's like this dude's a pedophile. Like you know, this dude's a pedophile. Oh like, yeah. The moment you meet him, he's talking about, you know, you're not too, you're not too young, or they're not too young. You're too old, kind of. And you're like, ick. Like you're like this, this guy's gross.
0: Yes. In fact, I wrote that down as I was taking notes because I was horrified. What does he say? He says back where I come from, they yeah. call them baldies. And ain't no such thing as being too young. What the fuck? <laughs> that, I mean, that's why it was so satisfying seeing that massive pot of boiling right. water. It, well, throughout
1: the him. movie, the people that are getting killed are people that have really massively mistreated her. You know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. All of these kids... Were yeah. fucking bullies. Even one of the counselors. I forget her name. Yeah. Uh, Meg, I think. I know in the beginning. I think it was established. That she was one of the camp counselors. But I didn't. I don't know. I missed that part. And then later on. I was like, wait. She's she's a counselor. And she was that shitty right. to Angela. Like, fuck her. Fuck all these people. Right, Good for Angela. You know? And Angela. I mean, she was also a victim right, due to exactly. the trauma of her past, which again is you know problematic. But you know, I mean, it still like perpetuates these this idea that trans folks are freaks and you know they can't be trusted and all of that. But I, I just I found I found right. myself rooting for her. Honestly, what was your first experience with sleepaway camp?
1: Um. I think the first time I saw it was in the same situation is I saw you know a lot of the horror movies I saw, which was you know getting on Netflix at three in the morning when I was like fourteen trying to figure out as many horror movies I could watch as possible <laughs> um so i it was just like every night I'd watch like two or three movies until like seven or eight in the morning, and that was just one of those movies that I stumbled
0: upon so when you first saw it. Uh, you were unaware of the big reveal at the end.
1: Yeah, which was awesome. I heard, I heard at the time. I heard things about it, but most of the horror movies that I I watched into them extremely blind. Um, I've been watching Friday the Thirteenth movies now since I've been way too young than I probably should have. You know, eleven, ten or eleven years old. So I, I was just trying to find as much as I could possibly watch.
0: What do you think the purpose of making Angela's dad gay was?
1: Um I honestly think it was just there to make more sense of it cuz it probably within the 80s even still um <laughs> they they still lived by the rules of of well it's genetic, you know. Right, which would explain why Angela was so okay with being a woman, even though you know she really wasn't. I, w- I would explain it as that because you know, even within the last forty years, you know, we've came a lot of we've came a long way from what we view about homosexuality, and it wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it if that was the implication that it was in some way genetic.
0: Oh, okay. So implying that Angela or Peter, right? That was. Yeah. So that Peter actually is gay?
1: I wouldn't doubt it. I'm not 100% sure. I've never really thought about the question until now. Um, okay. But I, I wouldn't doubt that if it had something to do with just the idea of making the audience think that it's somewhat genetic.
0: So then obviously Angela goes on to keep killing. Yeah. Um. And, and I haven't seen the sequels, but. Do, like, does she identify as trans at that point? I, is it?
1: I believe, yeah. She I, she identifies as a woman. Um, I okay. don't believe they ever show her penis again. I believe that. I believe that it's just implied that it's there. Um, right. But the thing about the the major difference between the first movie and the in the movies that come after that is the first movie's there as a slasher film, where where the films coming up after that are parodies on slasher films um, where like even to the point where one of the posters is her and in her backpack she has Freddy's glove and Jason's mask and so they become more of a parody of themselves over time.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know. I'll have to watch these sequels. I, I feel like I might not Enjoy them as the original because of the trans, right? Quote unquote representation, you know. But, um, that's interesting. All right, and the third and final film we are going to discuss is the ultimate cult classic, the 1975 Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> This is a film that needs no introduction. Since we're both fans, and since this is a queer cult episode, it can't go without mention. Tony, I'm sure we've talked about this before (laughs) in the past. Multiple multiple times. (laughs) Well, multiple times. But can you tell me again what your first experience was with Rocky Horror? Um...
1: I actually came into watching this movie a lot older than I would have liked. I probably the first time I saw it, I was probably fourteen or fifteen, which kind of makes me okay. which kind of makes me sad, right? And <laughs> sure. I think I think a lot of people joke around about you can really tell a lot about a person how by um, where they know Tim Curry from. And so mm. up until this point, I know I I knew Tim Curry from from um Home Alone 2. And Oh, that's yeah, right. I knew him from being this posh butler, you know, that works at this crazy hotel and then I I come along Rocky Horror and I'm like, holy shit. This dude is in drag. What
0: the fuck is happening? You know, like <laughs> And I loved it, you know. Oh god. I did too. I think well, I know the first time I saw it, I was 12 or 13. Yeah, I mean, Rocky Horror, there's so much to say about this. One thing I wanted to mention is how, like, everyone loves Rocky Horror. Everyone. Like, so as you know, I have the Rocky Horror lips tattooed on my arm, and every once in a while, some stranger will notice them and comment. And I'm always super delighted because. Often, it's like an older, straight, white dude. Yeah, right. Like, someone who I wouldn't, wouldn't in my wildest imagination expect is a Rocky Horror fan. And they see my tattoo and they're like, oh, Rocky Horror. And then they start telling me about their favorite songs and about how they used to go to the midnight showings. And I'm like, wow, okay. This straight, old, white dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking loves this movie. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Have you been to midnight showings before? I have
1: never gotten the chance, which makes me the only midnight showing I've ever gotten to of anything is It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: wait, that's a midnight?
1: Yeah, movie? they they do it around <laughs> Christmas.
0: Oh, in interesting. That, in okay. that in,
1: at that theater in South Minneapolis.
0: Oh, the Riverside. Yeah, they do.
1: They do um, midnight showings of that in Riverside, and you don't get out until like three thirty in the morning because it's it's like a four hour movie.
0: <laughs> oh my god! I haven't seen. I haven't gone to Rocky Horror a ton live. I mean, only like a handful of times. Like a year was it? Like a year ago? Yeah, I think it was like a year ago. Um, one of my coworkers asked if I wanted. To go to a midnight showing and i really did but because i am old now i declined <laughs> Midnight, midnight you're like
1: i go to bed day. at eight o'clock
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and i'm not someone who can like go to bed at eight and take like a little nap and then wake up at 11 oh yeah
1: me either i can't do it either <laughs>
0: and put on my costume and go down to the go down to the theater. Right. <laughs> All right, Tony, I would like to move into the segment called speed trivia. I, I'm
1: going to be terrible at this is unless it's about meatloaf. <laughs> Ooh. It's not about <laughs> meatloaf. We'll see. I don't
0: think I I only have 10 questions, but I don't think there's a single meatloaf free question. Okay, let's go. Let's do I this. Know. I know. Since this is speed trivia, uh, we'll just try and get through these really fast. If you don't know the answer, within a few seconds, just say pass. All right, here we go. Number one, who is the creator of RHPS?
1: Creator, like, or director, writer, what are we looking for? Writer. Uh, Pass.
0: Number two, whose lips do we see in the first song? Pass. (laughs) (laughs) Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. What two songs were cut from the film? Uh, pass. Number four. How old was Tim Curry in 1975?
1: Uh, Shoot. Um, um, oh, let guess. me think. Uh, I'm, I know what year he's born, so I was trying, I'm trying to do the math. Um, he was born in 1946, <laughs> but I can't,
0: so he would, he
1: would be in his thirties.
0: Oh. So close. All right. Okay. 29. All right. Number five. What other role does Tim Curry play in the film? I don't know. <laughs> number six. In Damn it, Janet, what symbol does Brad draw on the church Hopefully door? Hopefully a pentagram. Number seven. Name three props one would bring to a midnight show. Oh, I can do showing. this one.
1: Uh, toast.
0: Um. Yes. Water. Yeah. And, water gun. Sure.
1: And shoot. Uh, muscly men. I don't know.
0: <laughs> sure, we'll take that. <laughs> uh, number eight. Who is getting married at the beginning of the film? I'm so bad with names, um, pass. Number nine, what is the sequel to RHP? There was a sequel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was called Um oh, Shock gotcha. Treatment. And it was terrible. <laughs> and lastly. Who in the movie refers to Rocky Horror as simply being okay? Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I feel like Janet would.
0: What Good was it? guess, but in- incorrect. Uh, Columbia. Well, I apologize, Tony. These questions were no. Kind you of hit hard. me with
1: rock question- You hit me with Rocky Horror questions. If it was horror horror questions, I might be a little bit better, but.
0: Oh, it's right. okay though.
1: I I think I think the laughs we got out of it were, were worth it.
0: Well, I apologize. I um, I went through like Rocky Horror trivia. I actually have a board game of Rocky Horror trivia, but I was just looking at websites and I I feel like I know pretty well. But there are so many obscure questions about like bloopers and like what color was. Magenta's eyeshadow <laughs> right, right. scene and like, like crazy you know, stuff. Yeah, crazy stupid shit like that. Um, so I I try find to find easier ones. I don't know. Find yeah. easier ones. Yeah, not too easy, but you know, what can you do? All right, listeners, this concludes our episode on campy queer cult classics. Tony, again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for offering your perspective and your knowledge. Where can our listeners um, they can find,
1: find you? me uh, at Death Metal Jason on Instagram? Um, I dress up like Jason and post Satanist stuff and gay stuff. So it's it's all it's all in
0: good fun. I definitely recommend following Tony on Instagram. You have some creepy <laughs> ass fucking pictures. Yo, They're great. Thank They're you. great. <laughs> all right see you later queers Bye. bye